Well, good morning, church. Man, it's good. It's good to be together this morning. Amen. Man, what a powerful time of worship and to be together to hear our kids sing. I'm not sure what I'm doing up here. I, I think we could just go home and call it a day. It's already been a sweet time of worship and a wonderful time together. I realize our kids are in the room this morning, so I've cut down my message to about an hour 45. So parents, take care. I'm kidding. We'll keep it quick this morning. Hey, it's, uh, man, it's great to be in the room today. I was thinking this morning uh, as we were getting ready to come to church, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but have you ever thought about how, um, how long Mary and Joseph had to travel uh, to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So just play this story back in your mind. This is the Christmas story. This is what we're talking about this month. We, as we behold Jesus and we behold the face of grace and, and our Messiah. Joseph comes home one day. He opens the door and he says, Mary, who's great with child, the emperor of Rome, Augustus, has decided to do a census and we got to go to Bethlehem. And she looks at him and, 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 and she's got this look of bewilderment and grief and angst on her face because, again, she's great with child and she knows the trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem is some 70 or 80 miles and they haven't had time yet to, to get that minivan. I mean, it just hadn't worked out yet. They're saving up their money. They got to get the car seats installed. It hadn't worked out quite yet. So she looks at him and she says, how are we going to get there? You know, it's a long way. And he looks out at the donkey and looks back at her and she looks at him and you know how that conversation went. <laughs> Man. Uh, what's the farthest you've ever traveled? Uh, I know probably in this room, we've got people that have traveled all around the world. And, and, and trips, long trips, they can be fun, but they can also be difficult. I remember when I was, um, I guess we had just gotten out of college and, and I, I was early in my ministry. And a buddy, a, a buddy and me, we wanted to, to go to this conference. And at the time I was living in North Alabama, he was in East Tennessee. And so we thought it would be amazing to take a road trip. We'd meet up in Nashville and drive, take a long road trip to Colorado Springs where this conference was going to be. And we thought what would be more fun is if our wives went with us. We thought this would be just a blast. And, but we knew it was going to be difficult to trick our wives or, or, or to get our wives on board and, and to doing this road trip with us because it was going to be a long trip. And so the plan was I was going to tell my wife that his wife thought it was a good idea for us to take the road trip. And he was going to tell his wife that my wife thought it was going to be a great idea to take a road trip. So we did. And the plan worked. They both believed the story. They both bought. The, I mean, I know it was technically lying, but it was for a good cause. And we got, we met up in Nashville, Tennessee. And the biggest car we could rent was a Chevy Blazer, a huge vehicle. And we began the 16-hour road trip uh, from there all the way to Colorado Springs. And it wasn't until some time later that we were discovered. Um, I can tell you that is still a story of great angst in our family. Because <laughs> uh, long-distant drives are difficult. And even when you're with close friends that long and that small of a space, uh, there can be tensions that arise. Distance is hard. I think we know that, right? Sometimes distance can be a difficult thing. For you and for me. And some, sometimes we, we decide we don't even want to make the trip. We decide it's easier not to than it would be to travel the long way or the distance it would take to get from where we are to where we might want to be. And so sometimes it's easier to not just go because distance is hard. It's a difficult thing sometimes. And this morning what I want us to think about just for a few minutes is this idea of distance and how this plays out in your life and in my life. Have you ever felt distant from somebody? I mean, geographically speaking, there are people right now that you're distant from. 
I just know that's true in a room this large. We've got family. We've got friends all over. In fact, right now, you may be planning a trip, a road trip like our family is, to go be with people that we love that are geographically far away from where we are. And that's one thing. It's one thing to be distant from people in terms of geography and location. But have you ever felt like I have sometimes? Have you ever felt distant, distance from people who are, who are maybe in the same room as you? Like maybe even, even in this room right now, there's somebody in this room that you feel far from, you feel distance from, you feel tension with. That happens. Sometimes, maybe that's with a friend because of, because of an issue that arose between you. Sometimes that's, uh, you know, if you're married between a husband and a wife, we've been there, right? We felt distance because of an argument, a disagreement. Sometimes parents feel distant from their kids. Sometimes kids feel distant from their parents. There's all kinds of ways that this plays out in our relationships. And sometimes we just feel far from each other. Even if we're in the same room, even if we're in the same area, we can feel so far away from people that we love. Have you ever felt far from God? I know this is true. You ever felt that distance in your relationship from God? Like you believe in him and you know he's real. You don't have a doubt about that intellectually, but spiritually or emotionally or just your feelings in your heart, you feel like God could not be farther from you. You feel distant from God. You feel like maybe he's unaware or he's just far away. And you've asked yourself, where are you? Where are you, God? It's a difficult time. I need you. And you feel far from him. We feel far from God sometimes. We feel far from people sometimes. And anytime we feel the sense of distance, I think we have to ask ourselves just the real basic question, why? Why? I think it's a pretty easy answer when it comes to God. We know why we feel far from God, don't we? We feel far from God because of our sin. That's just the easy answer. You know, we've messed up, we've made mistakes, we've done things that he wouldn't approve of and that honestly we don't approve of. And because of that, that sin literally separates us from God. That's what sin does. And so we know that on a very intellectual, foundational, fundamental level, we're separate from God because of the things that we've done in our life that aren't of God. That's one reason, but that's not the only reason. And you know this because you in your own life have experienced distance from God. Sometimes you feel far from God just because of your experience, because of unmet, unmet expectations. Like there was that time you needed him and you prayed to him and it didn't work out the way you thought it should. He didn't do what you thought he should have done. And ever since that day, ever since that moment, ever since that time, ever since, since that happened, there has been a rift between you and God because things didn't go the way you had hoped they would. But the other reason, quite honestly, that I think a lot of us feel far from God sometimes is because in a very literal way, we don't feel like we need God. I mean, we would never say that. Like we need God to go to heaven. But in terms of our day-to-day life, we just don't need him. If we need something, we go get it. And, and this is the way faith grows in our life. You, you understand this is, very, this is very simple. Faith grows in our lives because we have a need, we ask God, we pray, he answers, and then faith is born and faith grows. And when you repeat that over and over again, you ask God, he answers your prayer, and then you experience that, your faith grows. When that happens over and over again in your life, your faith just grows and grows and grows. And I'm not saying God's going to answer every time you pray, but he'll answer often when you pray because he's a good, good father. We've talked about that. And there's nothing that gives him more delight than to hear you pray. And there's nothing that he delights in more than giving his sons and his daughters every good and perfect gift. We know this from scripture. But when we don't pray, he can't answer. 
And when he doesn't answer, your faith can't grow. And so many of us this morning feel far from God because we've stopped praying. And so he stopped answering. And our faith has stopped growing. So we feel far from God. And we feel far from him. When we feel far from him, we feel far from each other too. That's just the way it works. They're so, they're so intricately tied together. And when we start feeling far from each other because of tensions in our lives and unresolved things that we've let go on and on and on and grudges that we've held, sometimes the most difficult thing in the world to do is to pick up the phone and to call somebody and to say the words, I'm sorry. And when those words go unsaid, Days upon days and weeks upon weeks. Distance is built upon distance. And we live in a world, man, we live in a day and a time when there is so much distance between people and there's so much distance built up between us and God. And I don't know if you feel the tension in your own life or in the world today, but man, it's there. And it's heavy. We live in a world that is broken. And the distance is legitimate. The good news is, God has a plan to fix it. God has always had a plan to fix it. Because our God is not a God of distance. He's a God of nearness. And God has always had a deep-seated desire And you see on almost every page of your scripture. He has a deep-seated desire for you to be close to him and for you to be close to to others in your life. That is so central to who God is. That that's, that's actually the message and the truth and the thrust and the heartbeat behind the story that we're reading over and over again this month. And I love this story because it's a story at its very core of nearness. It's a story of the time that God couldn't take the distance any longer. He had had enough. And so what did he do? He came near. Luke tells a story this way in Luke 2. We'll start in verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the entire Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him his fiancée, Mary, who was now obviously pregnant. Now you can imagine if you're getting ready for this kind of road trip... And your best option to get from here to there was to walk or perhaps a donkey. And ladies, I've never been pregnant. My wife has been, so I can know vicariously that experience. She, there's no way she was looking forward to this trip, (laughs) right? This was not going to be easy. And I don't know how long the trip took them. It doesn't say. We don't even know if they had a donkey. It doesn't say that. We're hoping they had something to help Mary get from here to there. But if you imagine the distance from here to there was going to be some 70 or 80 miles and they've got to go this by foot, how long would it take them to make this journey? I mean, I have no idea. Let's just say they went 10 miles a day. I don't even know if that's feasible. That's probably not even possible. But let's just hope against hope that there was somehow, some way, Mary was able to go 10 miles a day being pregnant and Joseph was somehow helping her every step of the way. 
You know, at, at that rate, they might be able to get there in a week. And that's just hoping out for the best in, you know, outcome there, right? And you know, the whole time they're traveling from over here in Nazareth all the way over here to Bethlehem, day after day, they're traveling at this snail pace and people who aren't great with child are making the pretty easy trip. <laughs> and they're being passed left and right. And they're thinking as the trip goes along, we're, we're gonna have an issue when we get to Bethlehem. Like we see everybody going ahead of us. We're gonna be the last ones into town. And what's gonna happen when we're the last ones into town? Well, you know how the story goes. And you know what's going to happen. And they did too. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. And she wrapped him in snuggly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room available for them in the end. They knew when they got there, there was going to be a place. And their best option, their best option was to lay Jesus in a manger out back in the barn. Have you ever wondered why this happened this way? Like I have. Here comes the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe. He's gonna enter the story of human history. He's gonna be born as a baby. He's gonna put on flesh. And how does this happen? He's born in complete poverty. He comes in complete obscurity. There aren't crowds clamoring to see the birth of the Son of God. There's no one in the waiting room. It's not full of people waiting to see the pictures of what's happened just now. It happens and it seems like everybody is essentially unaware. There's no pomp and circumstance. There's no parade. There's no excitement. There's no joy. There's no big reveal. It's just Jesus and Mary and Joseph out back in a barn. Are you kidding me? Why? Why did Jesus come this way? Why did Jesus even come at all? Oh, man. I think it's because at the very the very foundation of the story, there's a desire, a desire in the heart of God for him to be near, a desire in the heart of God for him to come in such a way that he could identify you and with me in our most humble of circumstances, a desire in the heart of God for you to know and for you to know beyond all doubt that he would travel any distance. He would go to any lengths. There's nothing that could stop him, nothing that could separate him from getting from where he was to where you are. This is the Christmas story, and this is the gospel. It's a gospel story of the day God was born. God came so God could be near. God was born so you could behold him. And you could see in his face as you look over in that manger, the face of unbelievable, unimaginable grace. The grace that God would extend toward you and me. A grace that knows no distance and a grace that knows no boundary. This is the grace of God. And if you ever thought that there, you'd gone so far that God couldn't get to you, think again. There's nothing you could ever do to make God love you less. Man, he came. He came so you could come. He came near to us so that we could come near to him. 
And I love this because when you begin to understand the story this way, when you begin to understand the story through the lens of grace, and this gospel is the idea that there's nothing that God wouldn't do, there's no distance he wouldn't travel to get from where he was to where you are, then you begin to read all of Scripture through the lens of this Christmas story because in every story and every word is a story of Christmas. Every story and every word is a story of grace. And Paul would later say this, and I'm reading into this now, the Christmas story, when Paul said these words in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Why did he come? This is it. He came to reconcile us to him, to make things right between you and him. Things went wrong. You know this. There was distance between us. You get this. So what did God do? He sent Christ to make things right between you and him. The distance between you and him was more than he could bear. And he wasn't going to stand for any longer. So Jesus Christ came to reconcile us to him. But that wasn't the whole story. Keep reading. And what does Paul say? And he gave us, he gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us, to us, to you and to me, the message of reconciliation. It wasn't enough for God to send Jesus to save you. No, it wasn't enough. He sent Jesus to save you, but he sent Jesus to give you the opportunity to join him in reconciling the world to himself. Jesus didn't save you just to save you. And if we ever start believing that we're in this little holy huddle in this room inside these four walls for ourselves, then we've missed the rest of the gospel because Jesus didn't save us just to save us. He saved us so we could help him save the world. This is the story of Christmas and this is the story of grace and this is your story and this is my story and this is our purpose that we would carry the ministry and the message of reconciliation that God does not count your sins against you and he doesn't count their sins against them. What are you gonna do with that? Because if we keep that message inside this house, man, then what we've essentially said is that even though you came from heaven to earth, we aren't willing to go from here to there, to carry the same message of hope to the world. And I don't know about you, church, but as we step into this Christmas season, what I think of and what I'm reminded of is how many times we'll sit at tables with people where right across from us, as we look over the ham, there's somebody that we've got tension with. And as we come together in this room to worship, we come in this place and we can't even forgive each other, much less forgive the people at our work or the people on the road or the people in the store or the people that have hurt us somewhere, somehow, some way. And today, I think we have to wrestle with the reality. But we have to answer the questions, don't we? This morning... Are you feeling far from God? In your heart, in your life, do you feel far from God? And if so, why? And if so, what can you do? What can you do to change your proximity to the one who comes near to you? What can you do to draw close to the one who has a desire to draw close to you? Because he's ready to run. He's ready to meet you where you are. 
And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that your feelings aren't real. I'm not saying that the tensions that you're experiencing with God in this moment aren't legitimate. They probably are. But God has a deep desire, and he doesn't want another Christmas to go by. Another, another, another time when we talk about the story of him coming from heaven to earth where you won't come near to him. What are you going to do today to draw near to God? And, and not only that, but the other question, the other hard question that you and I have to wrestle with is, who do we feel far from? Not just God, but what people in our life, who are the people in our life that we feel distant from, that we feel tension with, where there is, there is difficulty in the relationship? Maybe it's in this room, maybe it's in your home, maybe it's over the Christmas uh, cooking that was going to happen in a few days, but who is it in this world that you right now have tension with, have a problem with, have an unresolved issue with? God would say, don't let another Christmas go by where you leave that tension alone. Because if you want to be, here's the thing, if you want to be close to God, you can't let tension exist in your relationships over here. And if you want to be close to people, you can't let tensions exist in your relationship with God. They go together. It's all part of the same way that we're wired. And God's desire for you and for me is for us to draw close to each other and for us to draw close to him. And if you feel distance in the one, it's because there's distance in the other. The cool thing is, is if you get one right, you get one step closer to getting the other right because this is the way that you and I were designed. And today, if I could ask you to do one thing, what I would ask you to do too. One, do whatever you can today, tomorrow, and the next day to take a step closer to God. You want to give God something for Christmas? Give him the gift of your time, your attention. Two, what can you do today to draw close to someone with whom right now in your life there is tension? Who do you need to apologize to? Who do you need to take the first step towards? You want to give God something for Christmas? How about you give him the gift of reconciliation? You make things right. You take the initiative. He took the initiative. You follow his example. You take the lead and you make things right between you and that person or those people. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. You know, we were at home watching a Christmas movie the other night, uh, Home Alone. Everybody remember that movie? Kevin McAllister, The Face, you know, the whole deal. Remember how that story ends? His parents had flown off and gone on a vacation and left him at home. Finally, his mom makes the, the trip back and she walks in the door and, and there had been such tension between her and him before she left and they left. But when she got home, he ran to her and she ran to him and they embraced. And I began to think about this and I began to think about every Christmas movie I can think of. Do you know how every Christmas movie ends? I think this is true. You can check me on this. I think every great Christmas movie ends with a story of reconciliation. It always ends that way. It always ends with the relationships that were broken being made right. The Grinch is restored to the community of Whoville. Elf is made right with his dad. Kevin McAllister is made right with his mom. You pick your movie, the storyline always ends the same. You know why? Because it's the story of Christmas. It's the story of reconciliation. It's the story when God came from heaven to earth to make things right between me and you in between us and him. This is the story of Christmas. And today, what we behold in Jesus is the greatest story of grace the world has ever known. Stand with me, church. So today, may you be blessed with a message and the hope of reconciliation. 
Now you remember that Jesus came from heaven to earth to save you, but not just save you, but for you to join him in saving the world. And may you do whatever it takes to draw near to him and whatever it takes to make things right between you and others. For this is the message of Christmas. This is the message of grace. Let's sing.